Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and this is one of two very special podcasts that I'm doing this weekend. Um, Normally, I I don't give a date, but it is uh, November the... uh, What the hell is it? It is November the 4th tonight. Um, I am in Madison, Wisconsin. I am at uh, Gamehole Con, which is a yearly con. It is my second year here, and... I mean, it's just Friday, and we've just started, and I've already, um, I'm having a blast. And not only am I having a blast, but I get to sit down here tonight and and talk to, uh, well, two of the guys eventually. But right now, I'm going to sit down and talk with Sean. Sean is one of these guys. He is uh, one half of Gaming and BS podcast, which is um, a podcast that I actually listen to weekly. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Most of them I don't listen to every week. Um, but... Uh, Sean and his partner, Brett, who I'll talk to later, uh, they kind of got me interested in doing the whole podcasting thing to begin with. So I, I have to thank them for that. I also steal one of their lines, and um, I, I don't know if they if they really listen to the podcast. Sean said he's listened to a couple, but I always say, if you if you don't understand something, go back to the first one and work all the way through. And I, and I always tag these guys in there because they have a podcast, and if you're into gaming, they have a podcast that delves into... The little thought about topics of gaming. I mean, when you really think about it, um, I really enjoy listening to their podcast. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's a podcast, like I said, I go back to every week and I listen to. And I've even been like, wait, did they do a podcast? On that? And I went back and listened to ones about, you know, things I'm trying to figure out in games. So that being said, I'm going to bring Sean in here right tonight. We're going to do kind of a different setup. We're not going to do this day in history tonight. We're not going to do um, a lot of the little segments that I normally do. We're just going to sit here and talk. Um, Sean's going to have a, a little bit of a uh, um, intro about himself. I'm going to ask him to uh, introduce himself to you, tell us what he does in the real world. Because as you all know, I like to call this internet radio, and that's not the real world. So... Uh, why don't we just start off? Sean Kelly is here with me tonight. Thank you for stopping by, Sean. Chad, thanks for having me. Uh, it's such an honor to to have you uh, ask me to be on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a, a fan. Uh, that really means a lot. I don't think I don't think people understand, and you know now that you have your own podcast. When people listen to you, you're like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, your podcast is one of them. I have, I have started dropping my hard earned money to you guys because I think it's worth something that needs to be That's out right. there and stay out there. So yeah, I forgot you are a patron. Yes, I thank am. You. Yeah. So, so tell us about yourself, Sean. What do you do in the real world when you're not recording podcasts, when you're not, you know, um, getting Brett beer, you know, what do you do yeah, in the real world? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Not the imaginary world. Right. Not the world where, you know, we sit down <laughs> and we talk into a microphone <laughs> and we hope that people listen to us. Uh, so I am a, a corporate recruiter. I sit in human resources. 
which is something I never anticipated or foreseen uh, in my entire life. I do, I have a technical background, so I specialize in technical recruiting, uh, typically IT, uh, IS individuals um, for a company here in Madison. And uh, I've been doing that for, I think I counted them up like seven years total. Okay, okay. Um, So started out in staffing, got into corporate recruiting. And so, yeah, that's what I do in the real, my real life. In your real life. All right. (laughs) All right. So um, what are we talking about tonight? Now, last week when I did my podcast, I always guess what people are going to bring to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just just as a as a word of warning to people out there, I don't know Sean all that well. I think this is the second time I've met you in person. Sure. Um, I've I've talked to Sean, you know, through like Facebook and that kind of stuff, but never really sat down and talked to him. So I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, he's not going to want to talk about podcasting on a podcast. Oh, we could. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I can talk about anything. Well, and I'm like, so my thought was, well, he's going to come in and he's going to talk about you know, real life about what he does, about recruiting, about what it takes to be a recruiter. Hmm. Am I anywhere close to what we're talking about tonight? Well, I will, I will, I will take that and and run with it. Well, so you're going to give me a win? Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right, yeah. sounds good. Yeah, no, that's fine. I I, uh, I will talk about what I do day to day. Sure, I have no problem doing that. I figure right. I would, I would, I would take your lead and just it's your show, man. That's what I'm here for. All right, well. Like I said, this is an, this is a special episode. Normally, I don't I don't allow that. I'm like, you got to come in with something to oh, talk something about, man. Yeah, but you know, it's fine. Let's 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 talk about that. Um, I work in uh, in IT, the fringes of IT. I work in cable installation. Sure, I know cable. So I uh, I am a project manager. I do that kind of stuff. Now, let's just say you are looking for someone that does something like what I do. Yeah. What, where do you start? Do you start with the resume? Do you start, where do you start? So I typically I have to meet with a manager because the manager is the one that's usually hiring right. whoever. So I'll get some of the details of the position from them, right? So what are okay. the qualifications? What are they looking for? And an individual for their position in their department. Um, and then for me, you know, it's really about uh, you typically post the position on the company website. Um, if there's other areas of the web that you want to post it to, you go that route. Okay. Um, you can do some sourcing, so you can go through a few different channels online. Uh, but typically, depending on your environment and, and what you're doing and what type of recruiting, you, you're you going to post it somewhere. People are going to filter in. You'll screen through those and review some of their resumes. So going back to what you touched on, at some point there is a resume component involved. Um, if it's not to understand the person's qualifications gets to look at their work history and what they've done. Okay. Um, maybe in a chronological format, just to get an idea of the reference so that when I talk to Chad on the phone, like, Hey, I understand Chad's got this cabling background and I have a cabling position, even if he hasn't applied and maybe I found you or I spoke to you just now. Right. 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 That's networking. Exactly. So I don't necessarily have to post it. Right. So networking. So, are you telling me you're looking for a project manager in cabling? I I am not right now. Okay. Okay. But you never know. Exactly. In my industry, Chad, it's all about timing. Okay. Everything's timing. All right. Right. So maybe I don't have that position now. Maybe I have it in a year. I I hear you. And then when I call you, you may not be wanting to look for a new position. Exactly. And and I'm not. And you know, I'm not on the market. I'm not right now. Not in the market. I'm not. uh, 
you know, I, the company I'm with now, if, if we would have gotten together four years ago, I thought the company was kind of like stagnant and kind of just sitting there. Mm. But we have expanded in the last four years. Um, which means I travel a lot more, which doesn't always make me happy. Like I was in Des Moines the beginning of this week and now I'm in Madison. So, you know, but, um, it some, is, it is what it is. Some crazy stuff happened in Des Moines. It is. <laughs> yeah. After I left, thankfully it was after I left. They, uh, there was unfortunately a couple of uh, police officers shot and killed. But, um, yeah, that, I, I, I lived the bevy of those questions about people that knew I was in Des Moines going, you shooting cops and leaving? I'm like, no, don't even say stupid yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, but, um, okay. So when you get, um, a resume, yeah. let's say, well, you saw my resume before and you, you redlined the shit out of my resume. Yeah. That's what I do. Uh, yeah. If somebody wants me to give them and, and some that's pointers. Great. I mean, yeah. and, and that's great. And I took those and I, and I adjusted my resume at the time. But when you get a resume, is there something about a resume, like if you get a resume, is there something that you look at and you're like, I'm not even going to finish looking at this? Do you ever get those where you're like, you know, they got their name on the top and whatever, you know, and then they just hit something and it's just like, you know, it's, it's wrong. Now, uh, it depends on the job because uh, I know that sounds kind of corny, but there are roles that I recruit for that are not very easy. Um, and I say that in the fact that there's a huge demand in certain job um, industries or job, job, what am I looking for? What word? Job segments. Okay. And I don't have the luxury of, um, you know, if somebody had a typo, and they're a .NET developer, and there's not a whole lot of .NET developers that are readily available, I will tend to forego trashing a resume just because there's a typo. Okay. Now, I may even correct the person and let them know and bring it to their attention. Right. Whereas if I was talking to somebody that may be more, uh, oh, more prolific in the job market, like say maybe uh, entry-level customer service. Okay. Where if you post a position like that, you might get a few hundred applicants. So to narrow it down to one, I can be a little bit more choosier, right? I can right. Be more right. selective. Okay, so it really comes into being the, the, the pool you get to work out of. Sure. I, that's neat. Now, that's me. I know recruiters that if it's not in a particular, um, if it's hard to read or um, it has typos or uh, what you know, whatever it is. Right? You know, because I'll be honest. When you sent mine back to yeah. me and it was red line and you were like, you know, this, that was the same one that I had developed when I was in school. That was how I was taught to write a resume. Sure. And then you're just like, no, 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 do this, this, you know, you should do this like this. And, you know, yeah. and so it was kind of, to me, it's like, okay, so that means, I mean, in my head, what that says is it depends on who's looking at the resume. So that's a fair statement. I, I don't, I don't get stuck on whether this is first or that is second and mm -hmm. it's formatted in a particular fashion, as long as it's easily readable, um, makes sense. Um, it's not overly redundant. I mean, there's a lot of nuances. And the thing is, when I talk to people about, when they talk to me about job advice or resume advice or whatever that is, interviews, I tell them that if here is my advice from the chair I sit, you can take what you want and leave what you don't. Right, right. Because you're going to take your resume, Sean's going to mark it up, and then you may go to a friend that may be a similar background as me, and then they'll say, no, no, why, who told you to do that? That's wrong. Do it this way. 
So you're going to get differences in opinion on how that's formatted and how it's written. Right. And that's okay as long as I think it fits in a particular can. Okay, I see what you're right? saying. Right? So, right, right. so it's, again, it's very – I mean, I had a resume the other day. You know, the this is not really going to sound well on audio, but the header of the area, the job title – the employer were all done in the same text, same font, same weight. So you're you you you're looking for stuff to be weighted. Like the job title is probably going to be bigger than say the day to day what you did. Right. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna have headings, right? Right. So I so it helps me navigate the resume. Okay, that makes right? sense. Yeah. So it's that makes it easier to read. So when I look at it, I can get through it a little bit quicker than if something is done all in Times New Roman font all the way through at font 11 right and that's it and nothing is tabbed over correctly nothing's italicized bolded in a higher bigger font or a heading so i used to work in retail management sure and one of the things i hated was when i would get a resume is they would do their name up on top in some you know so it looked like it was handwritten Mm -hmm. kind of thing they used to drive me nuts and i is that something that, like, you look at it and go, is that too much? Do you do stuff like that? Should you do stuff like that? Does it make you stand out? Should you make your resume smell pretty? You know, these are all things I've heard that people coming out of college, and now granted, like, the one for smelling pretty, that was for someone who was going into, like, um, she wanted to go into, like, fashion design and stuff. And I'm sure that dependent upon the the segment of the population you want to work in, you know, different things are different, but... Should you do something to make your resume stand out? Should you do it on, you know, like a light pink paper versus a white paper or anything like that? No, no. My advice would be no, uh, because the that component is not going to get you the job. It, it may get you noticed in your resume read, but the reason you want to be able to read it easily and it should be formatted in a particular fashion is because you want the reader to understand your qualifications and your experience and your background. Now, the only caveat to that is <clears throat> some people are probably screaming out, you know, through their speakers right now at their podcatcher. There are some elements, uh, some jobs like the creative piece. So mm-hmm. let's say I work for in web or I'm a designer and I want to show off my designer chops. So I make a resume that's, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's um, in the shape of a house because I'm an architect, or that's probably a bad example. Um, some places have put graphs, like some people have put graphs on their, you know, some, right. we're gamers. Gamers might make their resume out of a character sheet. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, it's actually kind of funny. I was just reading out, um, and I, I don't remember where on the web I was reading, but they were, it was ways to integrate D&D into yeah. your resume. Have you ever seen anything like that? I have not seen it done wholeheartedly. I have seen people down, uh, put down that they've done organized play or they're on the Magic the Gathering Pro Qualifier or Pro Tour. Um, they may have mentioned like how they've created a software platform that deals with magic. Like okay. Maybe it's cataloging all the cards or whatever okay which that is fine um but i haven't seen somebody put out like i'm a gm i'm a I'm full-time game master and i've got project management and team and collaboration and problem right. resolution the way, yeah the way that the way that this article i was reading said it's it's you don't put in there you know i play D and right. it's like 
I work well in large groups. I, you know, this, sure. you know, and you just kind of list the different items. Um, okay. One of my questions has always been when doing a resume, how far back do you go on your work experience? And does it matter if the work experience is relevant to what job you're looking for? Right. Now you and I are both guys who have been out of school for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, on my resume, I've taken off the, fact that I was treasurer of some college group that I belong to. Yeah. You know, that to me doesn't make sense. But like I've been in my same job now for almost 13 years. When I, if and when I decide that I'm going to go look for something else, do I need to put anything else besides those last 13, 15, 17 years, you know? And I've heard both ways. I've heard some people go, you only go back 10 years. And then I've heard others go, well, you've got to go back X amount of jobs. So as a recruiter, what what's your take on that? I say only go back 10 years. Okay. Now, if you've been at a single employer for 13 and you've been in the same role for that long, or maybe you've been in, you started out as a junior and moved to a senior, then I can understand if you're going to squeeze in three more. I don't think that's a big deal, right? So mileage may vary. But rule of thumb, I had an individual, I was at Madison College for a career fair, I had an individual that was a non-traditional student, which meant that he was making a career change. Right. And in the past he'd been, I don't even remember, electrician or whatever. And now he's getting into IT and he's learning how to do networking. And he had everything back to when he was an electrician, back to 1976. Okay. That seems a little excessive. And it was probably a four to five page resume. And I I looked at it and I said, do you want me to give you some advice? He said, sure. I said, you should not go back as far, only go back 10 years. And his rationale was, but then I don't get to show everybody all the experience I have. Mm -hmm. And I said, great, that's fine. And I understand that rationale, but you're running, you're going to run into potentially a couple things, whether it is going to be obvious to you or not, that is going to probably flesh out how old you are. And unfortunately, while it's a protected class ages that somebody cannot discriminate based on that. They can't ask you your age. It's a big time lawsuit piece. Right. Subliminally, they could look at it and say, holy cow, 1976 and he was working. Yeah, that has know, to at least put him in this bracket. Well, you know, for me, that's like 1976. That was the year I was born. Right. So if he's been working, I know how long he's been working. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the things that you did probably 10 years ago are probably not as relevant as what you've done in the last five mm-hmm. or 10, right? Especially if you're in the IT space, it moves much, oh, much yeah. faster. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it allow in that, so it's five page resume. I don't want to go through five pages. I don't, you know, I'm going to be done after the first two. So that's another reason. I'm not even going to see that that far back. Right. So to me, it's not relevant. Also, it allows you to make more space for more pertinent information that's more relevant and recent. And that's really key. So space, real estate, you know, has to be kept in mind when you're doing your resume. And going back to 1976 was not the way to do it. Well, you could always do it in Times Roman font, too. You could shrink the font, yes. (laughs) And you you could potentially put it all on one page. And I would... if Then you would really not read it. I would truly not read it. Like, I am not reading that thing. So... Um, what about things, um, on your resume? Like, um, I don't even know what you'd call them. I call them tooting your own horn. You know? Like, oh yeah. Like I got this citation through work for whatever. A ticket? No, no, no. Police citation? Yes. Yes. Police you're citation. Pr- you were proud of urinating in public. I got a, <laughs> I got a citation. 
Well, you know, I'm not proud of it. I'm just not saying it didn't happen. Might not want to put it on a resume. Right. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you were giving, given an award or you were given a, a kudos that came with something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think that's, uh, bad. I think that's something you should put on there. Uh, awards, achievements, recognition. Um, it depends on what it is and how much weight it carries. So in the military, you can get army achievement medals. You can get army accommodation medals. Um, coming out of the military, not a ton of civilian work experience. You may want to put those on there. The trick is, is that some civilian re- uh, recruiters may not understand the the impact of those. Or, right. uh, but if you got a good recruiter, they should be asking you about them. Why did you get it? How did you get it? What's the significance of that thing? Well, a lot of those things, I mean, and in the world we live in, if you go, well, I got a medal of whatever, I can hit the internet and go medal of what do you get it for? True, yeah. You know, and then if it's something that, as a recruiter, I guess, uh, uh, that I saw and thought, oh, that makes sense. I want to know more about mm-hmm. it. Then you can ask about it, I would think. Um, all right. Then let's jump to something. Part of the resume, or at least I've always thought of as part of the resume, is the cover letter. Mm. What are your thoughts on cover I, letters? I am not a fan of cover letters. But a lot of places when you, especially online, they want you to upload your resume and cover letter. Well, they ask for that. Yes. So it doesn't mean that everybody does that. I do not disqualify an individual if they do not provide a cover letter. Okay. Because to me, frankly, reading the cover letter to flesh out why I'm going to look at your resume, to me, it's kind of a... I could have already looked at your resume. I should just go to your resume. Like, so it cuts to the chase. Right. You know, cover letters are nice because they are focusing in and they are geared towards you, the employer, and your role and why you would be good exactly for that. So it's more kind of getting into the weeds like, this is why I'm going to be good for your right. employer. So, so with a with a cover letter, though, isn't that kind of where you'd put, like, then off of the resume, that's where you'd put your awards and acknowledgements and that kind of stuff saying why you would be good fit here, right? Sure. Or would you do that in both places? Uh, I would have to go to my cover letter 101 uh, explanation because I don't don't look at them enough and I don't have, I don't often coach people on doing cover letters. So to me, I just, I don't even address it. Because I know. Like if you asked me to do a cover letter right now, I would probably write a crappy cover letter. (laughs) <laughs> my my wife is one of these and every time I've applied for a job she's like you got to do a cover letter and you know and I mean you're you're a few years older than me I'm guessing yeah oh yeah but it's it was in our head you know when we were in high school when you did your mock job interviews and stuff you did a resume and a cover letter and you know you go to college and when I did um when you did, I, I forget what class it was, but you had to do a resume and a cover letter. You know, they, they kind of put it in your head that you need to do this or, you know, if you don't do a cover letter, you're never going to get hired. And that's kind of what the the college classes I had, that's kind of what they told you. So you can do a cover letter. Right. Me as a recruiter, I may not read it. Okay. But you could still do it. Nobody's telling you you can't. I mean... That's fine. I mean, I have people that do CV, resume, cover letter. They may do some uh, goofy attachment that may list out all their skills and everything. Not something I'd recommend, but they can, you can do it. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't, to me, I'm not going to, again, I don't toss a person out because they didn't do a cover letter. Right, right. Um, so again, mileage may vary. But does, I, I guess, okay, then from your standpoint, the weight of a cover letter isn't really there. To me, no. Okay. Now, in some employers, it may be like, 
an absolute must. And maybe that's why you're not getting considered because you didn't submit one. Right. So if you want, write one up, get it over there. Uh, there was something that you mentioned that I wanted to touch on with the cover letter um, and resume. Shoot. Escape my memory. It'll come to me like in the middle. <laughs> well, that's okay. We can always backtrack. This 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 podcast is not known it's... for very coherent trains of thought sometimes. I see. Sometimes we, uh, we get off topic. Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's that. Now, when you sit down with someone. Yeah. Oh, this used to, used to make me really mad when I did um, interviews for retail. Hmm. Come in in jeans. You know, ratty jeans and and it was just like they don't even consider the job important enough to dress up. Now, when you interview with someone, does dress matter? Well, um, yes, I I do think it matters. Now, I think it depends on the job you're applying for and the culture of the company. Right. So oh, when, absolutely. I was, when I was in staffing, it was mandatory that I wear a two-piece suit and tie every day on the job. And when I went to visit clients, that's that was kind of my uniform every day. Mm-hmm. And I had clients tell me, uh, we're in the Madison market in uh, Wisconsin. And I had clients that would say, or at least one client say, you know, don't show up to, to our place in a suit and tie. They'll think you're an auditor and people will freak out. Right. So they're very lax. Their environment is... You know, boat shoes, you know, cargo shorts, right? You know, t-shirts. So as long as it's not overly offensive, they, they didn't care. That's fine. That's kind of how they rolled. Now, you know, if you are a CFO or you're looking to be a uh, general counsel in a corporation that has a thousand people, and you show up in cargo shorts and you know, boat shoes, it, you know, there's some, there's a miss there, right? Now, there's also people that I have had show up with no tie, sport coat, you know, nice slacks. So it also depends on the level of the role. I mean, you can always ask. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, hey, I'm going to dress like this. What do you think? I always say dress for success. If you know the company and you know, even if they're business casual, but, you know, dress one notch higher than them. Yeah, that's what I've always been told is you figure out what the environment is and you dress right. one step above. Like in my company... Day to day, when we just go into the office and we're not doing anything, it's jeans and a and a you know like a polo. Right. Now, if I'm going to meet with customers, it's dress slacks, it's it's dress shoes, it's a shirt, not necessarily a tie, but shirt, button down shirt, you know, collar shirt, collar shirt, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and I get that, but I mean, even in the job that I have now, I have seen people walk in the interview in ripped up jeans, and it's like, to me, that just tells me that. They don't care what's going on. You know, they just, they are just there because they need to be there. They have to be there, you know, so. Right. Yes. And, and retail is kind of a tough nugget because you do tend to get a younger crowd. Yeah. Um, it is not, uh, the salary is not overly high. Correct. Um, the, I guess the, the qualifications, I mean, while four-year degree is great, it's probably not necessary for the job. Correct. So you you tend to get um, some individuals that don't understand the importance of impressing someone. Maybe uh, I think that's fair to say without maybe stepping on any or over any line. But uh, well, I know like and, and you see it because like when I hired for retail, I had one lady one time. She came to apply and she handed in the you know the application and her resume. 
it was a book about all the different places she had worked. And by the time I got done reading it, I'm like, you've never worked anywhere for more than six months. Yeah. You know, you have this all this experience, but you don't stay. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that can be a problem. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is connect the dots and you're like six months, four months, eight months. You know, it's like. How long are you going to be with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Um, but yeah, so. I don't know. Uh, so we, we talked about drafts. We talked about cover letters, resume. Is there any X factors that you look for or that you know is an X factor? On a resume or an interview? In an interview, okay. I would say. Yeah, because on, on a resume, it'd be kind of hard, I think, sure. to, to hit an X factor. But Yeah, in the interview, well, I think it is how they convey themselves and what they've done. So if they have a good idea of what they've done and they feel confident with some of the projects they've been involved with and they could speak well to that, then I think that goes a long way, right? Um, there's going to be questions that a recruiter is going to ask on the phone that may be relatively cheesy. Not all of them recruit like that or ask questions like that. You know, give me a time about this. Tell me about a time about that. Some of those situational questions are really to get you to talk, to explain what you've done so that they can understand whether that aligns with what that employer is looking for, right? That manager. It's not to trip anybody up. Um, and some people, you know, they aren't going to have what that individual, the, the, the corporation is looking for, the organization, um, because maybe they're kind of conveying themselves as X, but really they're coming up short with that. Now, at the same time, there's some people that just don't articulate themselves very well. Mm. So you kind of have to think. I would guess, poke. especially in IT, because they're not always known to be a group of really articulate people, especially programmers. So one thing about IT people and one thing that I look for when I talk to them, and I think this is just something that comes in different job sectors, um, finance and accounting people understand return on investment. They understand finance. They understand numbers. They understand quality, quantity, because that's what they deal with. They're all about numbers, ledger, whatever. It's money. Right. They get that. So when they do a resume, they're going to know what's impactful based on numbers. Information technology professionals typically don't always know the impact of what they're doing day to day. They do make impact, but they don't know how to quantify it on a resume or in a phone screen or an interview. So you have to kind of poke and prod. So when I go to them and say, okay, you were at this company, what were you doing? I was developing in Java. Great. What were you developing? How big was the team? Um, where were you in that team, right? Were you senior, junior, right. you know, uh, how big of projects were you working with? How many at any given time? What platforms and technologies had you been dealing with? And what do you think has been one of your biggest crowning achievements as a developer and why? So and you got to kind of pull it out of them. You got to pull it out of them because, I mean, I had one, I had one coder, uh, very junior, right out of college, done some PHP development. Um, and I think maybe some C++ maybe, um, but very academic, right? Mm -hmm. Hadn't worked in the field yet, didn't have any experience. And I said, well, have you ever done any programming on the side, outside of your coursework, right? Projects that your professors assigned to you. He says, yes, I have. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about that. He said, he said well, it's kind of corny. And I'm like, I don't, I'm all about corny. I don't care what it is. Just tell me what it's about. Mm -hmm. And he said, so you know that 
uh, Mozilla Firefox plugins. I'm like, yep. There's an ad blocker. I'm like, yep. He said, I took that plugin because it was open source. And I basically engineered the code in order to point it at a folder that was full of images that I could put in there. Images of my family, images of my dog, cats, whatever. And then whenever he went to a website and had that ad blocker enabled, all the ads would be replaced with all the images that's in that folder. Well, that's kind of cool. Right. Is it something that I would need in a job for him to do? No. But how he did that? So I would explain to me how you did that and why. And he'd be like, well, this is the reason and this is how I did it. And I'm like, that's good stuff for somebody who's never coded before in a professional environment. So then when I go to a client or even internally as a, to a manager, I say, you know, this, this guy does not have 10 years of experience, but he did this weird kind of goofy project and he did it all himself, you know, and, uh, and they hired him. I mean, it was, and, but those things you have to do have to pull out of people. Okay. All right. So we're going to get a little silly here. Okay. Worst question you've ever asked somebody. My worst question? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, because I'm sure there's you, there's been times you ask a question and you're just like, why? Why was a dumb question? Yeah. Probably, um, <laughs> I don't know. It might have been like, tell me your biggest weakness. I, You know, I hate that question. Well, I yeah. don't like it either. And I think it's the dumbest one I might have asked. <laughs> you know, that's that question. It's like, what did they expect you to say? Well, you know. I'm a real hard worker because I'm a workaholic. I work too much. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know how to wind down from work. So I just always work. <laughs> right. I'm like, no, I, you know, I always, I always hate that question. And I think, um, I've always been asked that question. Like, what, what's your week? Well, you know, I really just don't like working. So, you know, you're going to get 80% out of me and I'm a great uh, procrastinator. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> now the fact that they actually know that, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Cause no one's had the battle. Right. 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 So have you ever had somebody you've asked a question and just got, answered something that's just like so not the question you asked uh, not not only have i had that happen but they had done it for 15 minutes long 20 minutes long <laughs> so i'll ask that i'll ask a question and then they will tell me the answer for 15 or 20 minutes and it has nothing to do with the question you asked some of it may but when okay. you ask a question like you asked me one question right i'm not going to take over your entire podcast for an hour Answering that one question. Right. I mean, I probably could. Yeah. Well. But your listener is going to be like, oh my God, this guy. They're going to get it 10 minutes in and go, is he going to give a shit up? Oh, I would give him three or five. Yeah. It would be done. Yeah. yeah. Done deal. Yeah, I mean, right. Like a, we're talking here. Right. I could keep answering this. You're right. Going back to it. Right. Right. I hear what you're saying. Right. <laughs> Which is drone on. And on. Chad. And on. Right. And going back to that. So add question. <laughs> might not be a very good one because that per- then you got to hone in and th- when do you interrupt them so that you can True. move that you can move on to the next question yeah i hear what you're saying because you can't because just, it, you cannot really do that you know if if it, this was videoed i'd slap you right about now <laughs> <laughs> did i make my point yes clear, absolutely oh, okay absolutely so i can always go back to it and maybe elaborate a little more <laughs> i hope that's just for you people out there. I didn't actually slap them, but uh, just pretend I did. Ouch. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay. Question. Um, not necessarily a good question, but I have a question for you. Let's say somebody comes into an interview. Let's say you're interviewing for an executive. 
Okay. But he comes in in his board shorts and <laughs> just, just listen, hear All me right, out. I'm, I'm going to hear you out. He comes in in his board shorts and his penny loafers and he's got a bright Hawaiian t-shirt on, or, uh, you know, button down uh, Hawaiian shirt. Most laid back guy you find. But he comes in and his resume is spot on and everything you ask him is spot on. And he's really the best candidate. But you've got six other guys that came in in three-piece suits, you know, looking the part. Can you go beyond that? Can you? I'd ask him why he's dressed in a Hawaiian shirt for an interview. And what if he just said, you know, I just flew in from wherever and I didn't have time to change? Well, that may be actually legitimate. And maybe it was the only time of the entire month that this person of that level could come in and talk to me. And frankly, I would say, okay, that's fine. Not a problem. I could overlook that. I, I don't... Well, I, I tell people I don't judge. That's my day job. Okay. But kind of you, you kind of do that. But you have to ask because, you know, they're, I've, I've talked to people where they are on the phone and they are very, it's very obvious that they do not want to be talking to me, right? And this scenario happened to be where a vendor, a third-party vendor staffing agency, submitted a candidate to us. And I was fielding that okay. kind of process. In that flow. And so one thing I had to do was talk to this candidate. Um, part of the job was I have to interview them regardless, even if they're bringing in uh, from a third party. So when I talked to them, I said, it's going to be very quick. I talked to the vendor and said, look, this is going to be very quick. I just have to talk to him probably 15 minutes tops. And so I got on the phone and this uh, woman was quite perturbed, very short and at one point, uh, I just simply asked her, I said, you seem like very irked that you're talking to me right now. Okay. And she told me, well, I was under the impression it was going to take 30 seconds. Like you were just going to touch on the benefits and that was going to be it. And I said, well, I apologize. That's not the case. Typically, when I do a phone screen, phone interview, it's going to be at least 30 minutes. So I was going to make it quicker. Yes. But I, there are some things that I just need to knock out. And as we get through that. I can get you off the phone relatively quickly. Now, if it's a bad time because you only set aside 30 seconds, well, I'm more than happy to reschedule, but your copying and attitude is not helping matters. Fair enough. And then when I went back to the vendor and said, your candidate's kind of being, you know, a little uptight about this whole thing. Well, it sounds like maybe the vendor didn't correctly inform the candidate. That is probably very fair. And that's what I mentioned to the firm and then asked the candidate how was this conveyed to you how did the, how, what were the expectations because i'll go back to them and say hey i needed to talk to her for longer than 30 seconds mm-hmm. you know did you miscommunicate that and uh if you did it was, no no we told her it was gonna be 15 minutes whatever and so somewhere it broke down right regardless the, the next day i said we rescheduled she's very overly pleasant uh, probably realized I was on the verge of saying, you know what? And I told the manager, I'm like, you can hire this person. It's your decision. But I wasn't treated very well on the phone. And if that's the way she's going to be just because of this kind of hiccup, you know, what is she going to be like if she encounters something in the workplace that bothers her? Right, right. So now when you do your recruiting, do you recruit for a individual company or do you recruit for several companies? So I I am in human resources for a single company in Madison. Okay. And I recruit primarily for the CIO's organization, so all IT. And I also recruit for our project management office. So okay. we are aligned by departments okay. and how, who we recruit for. 
But you do it for a single company. Yeah, I'm actually in human resources. Some people may not even consider me a recruiter because they'll say, well, you're HR. But my title is recruiter. That's what I do all day, every day. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, so anything else that you want to let people out there know about you know, getting in front of somebody and doing an interview, doing, a, you know, we kind of killed the cover letter and resume thing, mm-hmm. but is there anything that, any advice you would give to somebody when walking into an interview? Uh, have some confidence. Understand that it isn't a, there's the people that are interviewing you or reviewing your experience are, are, are to get out to get you like gotchas, right? They're not testing you. Um, they just want to know more about your background and experience. Have some stories in mind, right? So typically you're walking through questions that, what if they ask me what my weaknesses and my strengths are, right? Get kind of those maybe in your head, but really what they want to know is a, a story about what scenarios and situations you've been in at your workplace, what things you've done, what accomplishments. Think of those, have confidence. Don't, a lot of people don't like to boast about themselves. I got to say a lot of humanities uh, got a lot of humility, but that is not the time to, to hold back. Don't be afraid to, I mean, there's a difference between boasting uh, and bragging and just explaining some of your accomplishments. Okay. So have some of those in mind. A lot of people don't know what those are. Have a couple in mind and speak to those. And then what happens is the interviewer will kind of, oh, you, you mentioned this. Can I? I want to. I want to have you expound on that. Uh, let me ask you a little bit okay. in more depth. And you say sure, and then you dig, and then they get more information because the goal of it all is to make sure not only that they hire a good person, but you don't want to go into a company where you're not going to be happy, right? So right. I'll give you an example, Chad. All right. A second for a story. So I had an individual manager who is my customer, client, okay. internal, right? And he says, "Hey, I've got a person. His name's Chad." that I think would be good for this role. And I said, great, give me his name and phone number. I'll call him up. I'll talk to Chad, see how he is. So I talked to Chad and said, hey, Chad, how's it going? I'm Sean. I work in recruiting in this company. Uh, you know, uh, Brett sent me over your info and uh, said, you might be interested. Are you looking for a job? Yeah, I am. I'm open. Okay, what are you looking for? You tell me. So what have you been doing over there? You tell me. And I said, great, that's awesome. Let me get your information over to hiring manager. This is what you expect. You say, okay, sounds good. I'll follow up with you next week. Okay, good. And then we, that was it, right? Okay. In the interim, as that time lapses, I run into Brett. And Brett says, hey, did you talk to Chad? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. He's pretty good. I like him. And he says, yeah, I don't know if I would hire him. And I said, why? And he said, well, I was talking to him the other day on the phone. And I asked him how his day was going. And he was all kind of perturbed. And he, I said, why are you all perturbed, Chad? And Chad told him, well, I got all these meetings. I hate meetings. It drives me absolutely bonkers. Like I got meetings all the way up to like three o'clock in the afternoon and it's just, I'm not going to get anything done. And he says, well, how often do you have these meetings? And he's like, well, I have these meetings. Chad said he has meetings like this quarterly, quarterly, not every day. No, right. quarterly. And it just drives him nuts. He doesn't like meetings. And I said, and we both looked at each other because Brett and I work at the same place. And we could say, yeah, he's not going to like it here. Yeah, because all we do is meetings here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So just because you get the big decline doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad candidate. And I also keep your head up because some of those things come out and they may tell you that feedback. And some, some will just tell you like, hey, we're a meeting culture. You're going to hate it here. Now, if I ask Chad, hey, Chad, hey, I just out of curiosity, do you have a lot of meetings? Well, I do on occasion. Well, what do you think of those? And you go, oh, I don't mind them. 
you know, when they're necessary. So that's kind of like an answer I wouldn't get instead of just you volunteering that information, right? Right, right. Right? So if I get it from a third party, you're like, oh. So then I talked to Chad. I said, Chad, I mean, you can tell me what you want. You don't like meetings. I know that. You're going to go bonkers. You're going to hate it here. I'm doing this to help you. Right. Trust me. You know, and and, and it would be nice. I mean, and uh, because when I was looking for my first job out of school, you know, they'd go, we'll call you either way. Well, 90% of the time, that's a fucking lie. (laughs) The black hole. Yeah. Right. So here's the tricky thing about recruiting, and it's certainly something that I'm very conscious of, and it really, really, really sucks. And there are some very, very good recruiters out there, and there are very, very, very crappy recruiters. And the thing is, is that, and I've told people this when I'm on the phone, I typically am handling anywhere between 20 and 30 positions at any given time. You have 20 or 30 positions, and you have even just five candidates per, per, per position, that's 100 applicants. Yep. If you have 100 applicants and you have 40 hours a week and you have 20, say 20 positions, and you have a 40-hour week, you are literally can spend two hours per position per position per week. So what are you going to do with that two hours? Now you up it to 30 and it just decrease that much more. So the amount of work a recruiter might have on their plate at any given time is ridiculous. Now, some will manage it better. That's not an excuse, by the way. But... What happens is if I talk to Chad and I get his information, I send it over to the manager. Typically, I'm on to the next thing. The problem with that is Chad is waiting to hear back from Sean. I'm waiting to hear back from the manager. Right. As soon as the manager gets back to me, that triggers me to get back to Chad. Great. Feedback. Awesome. Got to call Chad. Chad, got feedback from the manager. We're going to have you come in. Oh, no, we're not. Sorry. Have a nice day. The problem is the manager might not get back to the recruiter. I don't get back to I don't know that. Right. I don't go back to Chad. Chad wonders what happened, and it all crumbles apart. Now, that's one scenario of a few. Uh, does it take you know two minutes to send an email? Yes. But as time goes on, maybe it's, hey, I haven't heard anything in a week. I haven't heard anything in two weeks. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's never. But even as that time goes by, you know, you got to send out an email that says, hey, I sent your info over. You know, hey, I'm, I, I send out mass emails to every applicant in the beginning that says, Hey, I am looking through this position. I know you applied. Thanks for holding and being patient. You should know something in the next day or two. Because then I'm just going to go through the entire position, all the applicants. And they're either going to come in or they're going to get passed. All right. Okay. So it, it's a, it is a factor. All right. Excellent, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming in, sitting down, My talking pleasure. with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll... We'll move on and see what Brett has to talk about, huh? Oh man, I can I can't <laughs> wait to hear that one. Yeah, I got a feeling it's going to be slightly different. Oh, I'm sure. All right. Well, everybody out there, thanks for listening to part one of this. Uh, we'll be coming at you here pretty soon with part two. All right. Thank you. This is part two of the special Game Hole Con. Whose podcast is it anyway? Uh, again, I'm your host, Chad Knight, and I'm sitting down here with Brett Blazinski, the other half of the Gaming and BS uh, podcast group. Um, like I said... Uh, we have we, the Dungeon Bastard directly yeah, behind us. He's yeah. running a charity event, so it's going to be loud. Yeah, so it's going to be loud. Um, Sean and I went up to the uh, to the uh, hotel room to do ours. It'll be a little... It, that's going to be a little cleaner than this one, but <laughs> I think this right. one will be more fun because it'll actually have the feel of the con to it. Won't be able to tell how bad my voice is, maybe. I'm maybe. shot. <laughs> I am shot from yesterday. All right, so 
This is day three of the con. It's November 6th. Um, I've had a blast at the con. Um, from what I've seen, it looks like, Brett, you've had a blast at the con. It was a lot of fun. We, uh, Sean and I had a, we had a gaming BS uh, gathering last night. Started yep. at 9 o'clock. We had a barrel of beer. Yeah, I want to thank uh, you for that beer. Well, no problem. Yo, everybody killed that fucker in like two hours. It was like, boom, gone. Was like, that a full barrel? That was a barrel of beer. Wow. We killed it in an hour. Wow. Yeah, so all y'all drink a lot, like me. No, it wasn't actually that bad. It was just volume of people. I was honest. Sean and I were just just talking about it, excuse me, on our show, and I said how, he said how humbling it is. I absolutely second that. It was amazing to see the number of people who showed up just to say hi. Yeah, I was amazed at the number of people there when I got there, and I got there like a half hour after it started, and it was packed. My thought was, I'm like, well, what'll happen is we'll get out, because we, Alex Cameron and the guys that came over kind of to sponsor the Gaming BS show. So we had a full page ad and said, hey, we're going to have a happy social hour. We're sp- I have some beer. Right, great. So that'd be cool. A bunch of people show up, no one know who the hell we are. 90% of the people that were there knew us, knew our, what we had done. They were either, either had stopped by the show earlier, the booth, talked to one of us, ran a game or something. So it was really, really humbling to have a bunch of people there. I met um, CW, one of the guys I turned on the show last year. He was talking to me. He went to um, a Gen Con back in 79. Wow. I was born in 73, dude. I mean, this... I'm yeah, like, I was oh, 76, so yeah. yeah. So I'm talking to him, and I'm like, holy crap. And uh, we're walking away, and, and Jason Hobbs is like, you, you said that CW guy's pretty cool. So what do you mean? He goes, he helped play Tess Ravenloft with Tracy Hickman, man. Oh, I said, wow. are you kidding me? He goes, no, he was at a Gen Con when Tracy was kind of play testing the adventure, and he had a chance to play in that. Like, damn, that is really cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, yeah, I know. I know, and, and the thing is, is... And, I don't know if you and you and Sean really realize it, but there's you guys get a lot of listens. Yeah, there's a, quite a few yeah. people that like it, and it's it's uh, we have a lot of fun with it, obviously. And right now, I'm not very I'm not very erudite right now. I'm tired. <laughs> well, then I'm going to ask you the hard question right Go out of it. the gate. Yeah. What I like to do is have people tell the listeners what you do in the real world, because you know we're sitting here at a convention. The convention is not real world. No. So. Give us a quick rundown on what you do. So, in the real world, I am, it's corny and cliche, but I'm a dad. I'm a husband and father. I've been married for a second time. I've been married for a number of years now, about 11 years. To my wife, Susan, we have, I've got three stepkids and two of my own, so we've got five kids. <clears throat> so that's pretty freaking busy. Uh, professionally, I do project management. I'm a senior manager, and so at this point, I have project managers working under me. So I have PMs that I control, and I also do actual project management of larger infrastructure projects. Basically, if you have a, a phone system to put in or a network you want to gut, rip out, and replace with something else, I do that. Right. So you and projects. I do kind of the same thing, except I'm a project manager, not in charge of them, and your budgets are way bigger than the ones yeah, I do. I do. You know, if it's not three, four million dollars, it's not a project yet type of thing. Right, yeah, and see, and I and I don't do projects near that large, but... But I get guys like you, like the company you work for, we could see what we could, like, contract for to do the cabling we need to do the right. other components. Yep, exactly. That's how that works. All right, so, now, when we, uh, when I did my, my podcast last week, I said, what is Sean, or what is Brett going to talk about? And with Sean, I was sort of right, but I think Sean didn't quite do the, the way I do this normally, but like I said, special episode doesn't matter. I said, you know, you're a big hunter. A, yeah. a, above being a gamer, above hunting, being all yeah. the other stuff, you're a hunter. Yes, I am. And I thought, maybe that's what we're going to talk about, is hunting up north in, in you know, Honestly, that's not a... I was thinking about it before we turned the mic on. I'm like, that's not a bad idea, because I have tomorrow off. Okay. The reason, I took tomorrow off for two reasons. One, I need some fucking sleep. I am tired. And I can't go right back to work. I did this last year where I went 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday hard, and then I'm like, that's okay, I'll just sleep Sunday, and I'll get back to work on Monday. That doesn't pan out, because I was just exhausted, yeah. I was dead. So I'm like, that's right, I'll take Monday off. And it's like the middle of the rut for deer season, and I'm like, you know what I need to do is, I'll sleep in tomorrow, I'll get up, I'll go hunting in the evening, and I'll just completely reset me, and I'll be ready to go back to work. So I'm looking forward to getting out of here. I got a brand new stack of uh, camel clothes I bought before I left. Okay. I showed up at the house I'd ordered, so I got new gear to try out. I got it's. I'm really looking so forward. So you're going to spend that. tomorrow afternoon hunting. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. Well, now if we're gonna we're gonna be legit about this. I have hunted in the past. Cool. Um, I I deer hunted for six years maybe. Don't like the cold. It's not even the cold so much. Um, I saw. I saw, well, I've seen several deer, but I saw one deer that I could shoot at in those six years. Uh, you're in the wrong woods. Probably. No, I'm serious. There's a lot of guys. My father tells a story about a neighbor we had, uh, Ed Poggle. Ed used to hunt. He's, Ed's dead now. Um, he's very old. A long time back. I mean, I think I was five. Ed was complaining to my dad that he'd hunted and he doesn't see any deer, never sees any deer, never sees any deer. And my dad said, well, Ed, how long have you hunted there? I've been hunting there for 26 years. When's the last time you saw a deer? 15 years ago. But that's if you're in the wrong damn woods. Right, right. And I know there's deer patterns change. There's reasons that, that it can change up on you. But generally speaking, especially when you're younger, you're stuck wherever your parents or somebody yeah, takes exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. That's right? exactly where I was. So when you're stuck in that spot, you can't do what I do now because a grown man, I can go pick my spot. Oh, there's nothing going on here. Go ask for permission somebody else's property or whatever. And also just go go just find this place where there are deer. Right. So here, here's my deer story. So I was... I was sitting on a ridge, and it was one of those warm Novembers. There was no, um, you know, there was no snow on the ground or anything like that. I'm sitting on this ridge. The wind is blowing up the ridge at me, so I'm like, this is perfect. And I'm sitting there, and this this deer walks in, head down, walking right at me. So I'm sitting there, and, you know, I was was an adult, but I was still, I'd never really seen a deer that I was going to shoot before. It's different until you realize that I'm going to kill this thing. Right. And I'm going to eat it. Right. That's, that's different. It is a different feeling. So I, uh, so I, you know, I got the gun up. I took the safety off, and I'm standing there, and I'm, and I'm looking at the dude's not even raising its head. I'm like, and I fire, and I see the ass of the deer. It just hits the ground, you know, boom. And I'm like, I flank this damn thing. And the worst thing is, there's no snow to track it in. Yeah, yeah. You know, so my dad comes walking up over the ridge, and he's like, "Did you get it?" And I said, "I, I think I clipped it." You know. Yeah. So we walked down, and sure enough, you can see right where the ass end went in the mud, yeah. you know, and there's fur everywhere. Yep. We can't find blood. Of course not. We're looking, and we're looking, and finally my dad goes, you didn't get him. So what do you mean I didn't get him? Takes his hunting knife out, pops the slug out of the tree. I must have just above him and, like, just went right above it. hit the... Hit the <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So the, the funny thing about it is I got to 10 points before I stopped counting and shot. I should have shot and then counted. Yeah, yeah. my father had a thing where he would used to get buck fever, they call it, right? So you see the right. buck, and no matter how big it is, you get nervous. You will actually start shaking. It's a performance anxiety is basically what it is. Uh, actors will get it, and so it's tension. Right. I, uh, I studied martial arts for 26, 27 years, and when you're sparring, you're working, you're teaching students uh, as a black belt and whatnot, there's, there's stuff you need to worry about, other shit you don't worry about. Mm-hmm. After the event... Then I get nervous. So I see the deer, I shoot it, and then I go up and finally go, there, it's dead, I can put my hands on it, this is awesome, thank you, this is great, and then the, then the nerves hit me. Okay. Take a minute to calm down before I start gutting it with a razor sharp knife, you don't right, do that right. while you're shaking, you know, you kill yourself. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, I get nervous after. Okay. Last year, um, 
and my oldest boy Connor got his first year in our family's place in Michigan, which was great. A couple days later, my dad and I are out, um, and we still hunt. Still hunting is instead of a lot of people do uh, stand hunting because it's right. ambush. You're either in a tree or in a ground blind. You're waiting where, so the deer will cross in front of you in a predictable spot, hopefully, and shoot it. Still hunting is you go find them. You just walk really quietly, you try either tracking or moving. If I know that they hide in a swamp, I cruise through the swamp slowly but surely looking for okay. them. Or I find a track if it's decent snow or even on the bare ground or whatever, you can find them. Right. Get, determine if it's fresh or not, and then move on and see if you can track them down. And I was sitting in my ground blind after we'd stalked our way through it, had lunch. My dad said he was going to walk, sit on another ridge for a little bit. I see three does come by in a buck. Not that big. I'm like, it's Big Woods, which is in uh, no farmland or anything in Upper Michigan. So I shot it. The mule kicks, you know, back legs go up, hunt, and uh, then it just runs off. I'm like, I got it. Dad comes over. And I walk. He's there at my blind. So then I walk over. I shot the It's a long haul. I was like, wow, this is like 90 yards. And through the bush, I'm like, okay. God, I hope I didn't do something stupid. I see blood. I see hair. I'm like, I got him. This is good. Well, then it starts raining, which is great. Um... <laughs> And the blood trail kind of stopped and starts, stops and starts, and the rain's washing off. And there are wild, um, certain, there's a, it looks like a strawberry plant, but it's not strawberries, but in, in the fall, okay. it looks like blood. So the leaves change to a blood red color. Okay. And there's blood dropping on them, and you can't, so I'm on my hands, literally on my hands and knees. I'm a big dude, I'm six, you know, six, three, 240 pounds, I'm on my hands and knees, picking up stuff, holding it to my nose, smelling it, is that blood wiping on my pants, is it actual blood or just water, or what right, is this? Right, right. Uh, two and a half, three hours, we can't find it, can't find it, and the blood trail dries up. I'm like, ah, I'm pissed off, I'm upset, I'm emotional. My dad's like, well, we're going to go down the creek and see if he crossed. If not, I got one more place to look. We go all the way down the creek, nothing. I'm like, it's done, we're just gone. Right. We're done. I'm just disheartened, and my dad says, we have one more place to look. We go walking up, and he goes, there it is. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Where I stopped... 50, 60 yards to my right, he was just bedded down. It, de- it was dead in his, in his bed, right? Right, right. He just went there and died. But it was just so emotional. I spent all this great time with my dad in the woods, and he helped me find it. And it was just kind of a don't ever quit, keep looking, you know, don't stop type of thing. But that was that was a lot of fun last year. Then the, that's when the fun stopped, and then the work began because it took us another two hours to get out of the woods. Okay. Because I dragged this deer, which right. is like 265, 270 pounds. It's not 200. Good God, I said that. It's about 165, 170 pounds. Okay. I was going to say, you said it wasn't a huge one. No, that... <laughs> The biggest body I'd ever shot was about 240 pounds, but that was in northern Minnesota. That okay. Was once, that was a freaking massive buck. Anyway, this this guy wasn't that big, about 160, 165 pounds, as I said. No snow up and down through the river bottoms and stuff, and it's right. just annoying. Right, It's yeah. heavy, and it's raining, and it's wet, and it's cold. My dad is uh, going deaf, so he has to take his hearing aids out because of water damage, and so he can't hear me when I'm telling him to stop or turn or whatever. He's getting pissed off. It was stressful. But when you finally get it out and your bones are aching and you're so tired and you right. put it up in the back of the truck, you're like, oh, I did this thing. Get back to the cabin and like, wow. I said, I got to cut it up. Right. Because right. we butcher our own deer. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, it's 40 degrees out. It's going to rot. It's supposed to be like 50 tomorrow. It's un- unseasonably warm. I said, I got to cut it. He said, oh, shit, you're right. Get the knives out, skin it, quarter it, stick it in the freezer so it cool, or excuse me, the fridge so it cools down. Then I went to bed. I went to bed like one in the morning. <laughs> After getting up at sunup that day, I'm like, I am so tired. All I do is walk and drag animals, you know. Now, you also, you not only uh, gun hunt, but you bow hunt I do as well, right? yeah. I've yet to shoot an animal with my bow. I've, I've just started hardcore pushing bow hunting the last two to three years. Three years. Okay. Um, 
the reason the reason I was bringing this up is you told me a story one time, or you told the group a story one time about the, the where you were bedded down and the wolves appeared. Oh yeah, oh that was fun. I was in Michigan again, and uh, I was using a longbow at the time, and I, I carry a pistol with me um, when I'm in the woods. And uh, it's legal. I have a concealed carry permit, so I can have it on me. Or even if it's exposed, it's all right. legal. I've checked the regs. Anyway, so I'm up there, and I'm sitting in the ground blind. And it's beautiful, September, October-ish. And there's this puddle about 50 yards away from me. I hear a noise. I turn around behind me, and this wolf comes out. It's just gorgeous. It looks like National Geographic silver timber wolf. It's just a beautiful, beautiful. Okay. I got my iPhone with me. I can't get a picture of it. Even at, at 50, 60 yards, it's too far away. This looks gorgeous. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So I sent Susan a text. My wife said, hey, there's a wolf. She's, where? Are you on the ground? I said, yeah, it's fine. The, wolf, the wind is right at me. It's no cool. It has. I don't know if it's a girl. It has no idea I'm here. Right. I hear another noise, and then seven more come out. So there's a pack of eight of them, and they're all down there drinking out of this puddle. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. That's kind of scary. You know, wolves <laughs> don't attack people. I'm fine with that. This is okay. The wind is in my face, and I'm full camo on the ground, and they don't see me. I have right. no idea I'm there. They messed around maybe for 20 minutes, tops. It wasn't all that long. And then one of them went down to the puddle and, the other, and must have done something. The other one didn't like and they started fighting. So two of them go at each other like the, like the again, like a nature video. Right, exactly. Growl, snarl, knock each other down. Then they then they either kissed and made up or something and they packed up and took off. The whole group just kind of got up and ran off and just disappeared. I'm like, holy shit, that was so cool. Right, it was really cool. It's but also scary. I was going to say, wouldn't, doesn't the primal part of your brain just go, holy shit. Yeah, you're like, I want to climb a tree. You know, yeah. I want to get the hell off the ground. Yeah, I mean, I love watching nature videos, but I don't know if two wolves are fighting in front of me, you know, 50 feet in front of me. I don't I don't know if that's the same as watching a nature video, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a little different. The, uh, the important thing in a case like that what I've learned and what I've done is you don't don't interfere don't just make a noise don't just be obnoxious if I really wanted to do something I would have taken my, my handgun out and shot it into the air or shoot it into the ground and go bang bang and then we'll shit and disperse, right. run. they're not about to mess with you just for, just for fun that's not what they do right I mean <laughs> later that same season I tell my sons about it and Connor's coming up with me he's like I really want to see wolves in the woods but I'd like to see a bear that'd be cool I said Connor it's November man late November we're not going to see any freaking bear right right and uh, first day in the woods deep snow like see that Connor he said what's that that's a bear track he said really yeah there's a bear it's a small one Uh, paws are no bigger than my hand okay and about four days later we see the bear it runs out in front of us it's about 30 (laughs) yards away it sees us and goes, oh, what are you? And starts walking forward. I'm like, get out of here. And roared, yelled at you, roared right, at right. it. And went, whoop, and it turned and ran off. So, again, I mean, there's a small black bear, but it's a bear for Christ's sake. Yeah. And, and, and it didn't, it just wants to It's kind of like away. Mother Nature going, guess what, Brett? <laughs> yeah. And it just, but they, again, 90% of the time, they don't want to mess with you. Yeah. Now, I've seen bears um, going down Highway 29, right by Ringle, where the dump is. Okay, yeah. I've oh, seen bears yeah. going up into the dump. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Black bears aren't as big as I thought they were. It depends on where they live. You can get you get three hundred pound black bear. It's a big damn bear. Right, right. You can get four, five hundred pounders. Like if you go to Canada and some of those places, but they're not gigantic. Well, the ones I saw, the biggest one was probably like one and a half times size. The you, you know normal medium sized dog. Yeah, that makes sense. Now the other part to remember though is that they're still it's a bear. And right. Oh yeah. Powerful. They sprint thirty miles an hour. My buddy uh, Mike. His dad and his mom used to live off the grid in northern Minnesota. I went up there deer hunting, and uh, his dad had been attacked by a bear. Okay. And he was out with the dog Rufus, this big, uh, um, 
I see. Uh, German Shepherd. Okay. German Shepherd dog was out there. So they go out to put bird seed in the bird feeder. He sees these two bear cubs and Rufus is dog. Rufus goes after the cubs. He's like, damn it, Rufus. He said, I took two steps forward and bam, Mama Bear comes out of the woods and is on dad. Knocks him out and beats the shit out of his dad. He's screaming for the dog. And the dog comes and shoulder charges the bear off of him. Boom, kind of linebackers it. And then Rufus is standing on top of Mike Sr. Okay. Growling and snarling, and the bear finally just took her cubs and ran off. And after I talked to Mike about it, Mike Sr. about it, I see Rufus has got like patches of hide missing and scars and stuff from the bear, and he were tussling. I talked to Mike Sr. He said, You know what, Brett? I knew Mike Sr. is a Vietnam vet. He'd okay. done like three tours, long range patrol. He's, he's been through some hell. And he said, you know what, Brad? He said, I, I can always beat a man. He said, I've, I've had to, I've fought men hand-to-hand. I've had to shoot people. I've had people try to kill me. I've, I've done, dealt with that. He said, but you can always beat a man. He said, right. you can't beat a bear. He said, all that macho talk about, I'll pull a knife, I'll fight the bear. You will not fight off a goddamn bear. It will kill you. Well, I mean, they're the bear a wild animal. Dead. Yeah. And they're so strong. They are incredibly powerful. It's like a dog. You don't realize that how tough a dog is until you give it that beef bone and you hear it crunch and crack and break it. Right. I got a 70-pound boxer at home, and if Jack wants to, he can drag you across the room. He's super strong. Yep. And uh, it's insane. It's insane how powerful that. Which is one of the things I love. Even though I said it was, I don't see cool shit like that. When I see squirrels or mice, I've got chickadees land on my hat. Oh, wow. I had, I've seen snowy owls in the woods. I've okay. seen beautiful things like four or five feet away from walked up on porcupines. I had a porcupine fall out of a tree. Apparently they do this all the time. I was doing some research on little fuckers. They, they, they are shitty climbers. Okay. They bark and stuff. I was up in uh, Minnesota, I think it was. We were walking along and I see these weird tracks in the snow. And these small pine trees all smashed and broken. Uh, underneath the, the base of these bigger pine trees. What the hell is that? And I hear this... And it falls in the snow. And look, it's a big goddamn porcupine. He fell out of a tree. He's hitting the smaller trees on the way down. He's all pissed off and he's grumbling around. And I got too close. He scooted up the tree real fast and just hissed and right. gnashed his teeth at me. Well, it was really funny. That's, that, yeah, that, that's kind of funny. But you know, I don't see that on my couch or my backyard. No, absolutely in my not. Life. So right. that's one of the reasons I like to be out there is because it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll catch me out walking through the woods. I just found out a long time ago that I don't have to sit there... To me, uh, hunting consists of going to the grocery store and picking out the meat I want. Yeah, you know, I'm wrong with that. Um, a couple of years ago, it was actually kind of funny. My father-in-law lives out on a piece of land out uh, near Lake DeBay. Oh, cool! That's good so he can hunt on his property. Nice. And uh, we're out there for Thanksgiving, and he had been hunting. And we, there was a bunch of bit, uh, deer just outside their house. You know, just walking around or whatever. And he goes, "I still have a couple." Uh, he goes, I still have a couple of tags. You want one? <laughs> so I handpicked my deer. I'm like, I want that one with the with the weird shape on its side. And uh, so we, you know, we did Thanksgiving, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's funny. And we go to my dad's house, and I get a phone call, and her dad never calls me, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, your dad's calling me, and she's like, well, answer, and I answer, and he's like, you still want that deer? And I'm like, sure. He goes, all right, we'll take it up to the to the processor tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. Oh, God, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so. What's, good, what's interesting is a lot of times people's like turkey hunting and stuff. People are like, there's turkeys everywhere. How hard could that be? And whatever. So my challenge is go in the woods and get a gun. You own land. No. You live in a city. You live in a suburb. All right. Here's a, here's a shotgun with slugs. Go get a deer. Do you know how to load the gun? Do you know how to shoot? Do you, can you accurately shoot more than 10 feet? Right. Can you, can you hit a deer at 50 yards, 60 yards, 100 yards? It's not like they all have to be that far shots, but it's a, it's a, it's a skill. It's a perishable skill. Absolutely. Just because you used to shoot when you were a kid doesn't mean you're good now. Right. 
and uh, you want to go shoot a turkey, where do you shoot a turkey? You don't hit it in the head, it's not going to die. You shoot a turkey in the feathers, in the main body with a shotgun, it'll flap and, fl- and just fly away. They're tough as hell. Right. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of turkeys out by my in-laws, too, and that's the one thing is when it's, when it's prime turkey season... The kids always, you know, grandma started them years ago. Carry a stick with you. So whenever they're out there, you know, they got to stick with them because turkeys are bitch. Well, you can get a 30-pound bird, and the toms get pretty aggressive and sometimes yeah. they get obnoxious. And they decide to chase you like a goose. Sometimes they'll come and peck or bite or try to claw you. So you give them a smack, and then they'll run away. Right, right. And actually, you'll see a lot of people walking out there in the, you know, in the country there. Yeah. They all, they all have walking sticks. They all carry sticks because there's turkeys everywhere yeah, out there. They're obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my, my point though is that if you actually go to legitimately legally hunt animal, not everybody's like your father-in-law has property. We can see them and have that type of opportunity. A lot of times you don't have any of that. Right. And you got to go find a place to hunt. If it's not public land with full of other people, you got to see me find a landowner who will let you hunt. Right, and that's and where the do thing. they do travel? What time do they move? I know that in this weather we're having right now, it's either early morning or evenings. In the middle of the day at noon, when it's sixty degrees out, they're not moving this time of year. It's, a, it's not. It's not pointless to be hunting, but don't sit there and, and get upset that you're not seeing any deer movement. Right. Bring a book. I read novels. I, I I go out there and I sit. I get my stand, or if I want to, or I'm sitting up in a tree or on the ground. I bring a book. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Hey, I haven't read these Gordy Road book, Rogue books, these old gag acts books. I reread those. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. So I want to read something else. Read that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I'm a, I am fish a lot. Oh, And okay. it's the same thing. There's just times of the day where Nothing's happening. You're, all you're going to do is get a wet line. So yeah. you might as well bring something along. I do the same thing. I bring books. Um, Still but, better than being at work. <laughs> yeah. A bad day <laughs> fishing is still better it's, than a good day at work. It's cliche as hell, but it's absolutely true. I'd rather oh, yeah. go out in the woods every day. And hunt hard eight hours a day and not have anything to show for it other than sore feet and a bad back type of thing for walking. Right. Then be at work. It's just a lot more fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let, let's let's take the two extremes here. What is what is your best hunting story or your best hunt that you've been on that it doesn't necessarily have to be the one where you got the biggest deer or whatever, but what was that one that um, but keeps the, you the, coming the, back? I think it's spending time with my dad. Okay. The, the rest of it doesn't matter, honestly. It's, it's Again, it's hunting cliche, but it's absolutely true. I mean, my dad's t- almost 30 years older than me. He's not that old yet. Right, right. But he's got two artificial knees. He's got a bad back. He's had, uh, he's been cut up, broke up, um, number of surgeries. He has an incurable lung disease that's under control now and stuff, but it's tough. And at some point, he'll be dead. Right, and I'm as we gonna, all will. Yeah, and I'm not going to have any time with them. Right. And now it's like, you know, I want to make sure my boys can go. If Alana, my youngest daughter, wants to hunt, I want to make sure that she can get through her safety as quick as possible and hunt with Grandpa because that's not going to be there. And so I travel six hours one way or seven, depending on traffic, to get to Upper Michigan to spend a week with my dad. Right, and I know. To do that. And it's mean, more important for me to have that time to get up and do that with him. I can hunt by myself anytime. I can take time off work and hunt by myself. Right. I love it. It's it's part of who I am and what I do. But um, those are the those are pieces that I want. I make sure I have. And then when I take my sons out, it's the same thing. They're hunting with their dad. And that's a lot more fun. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's one of those things. I mean, we game together. Yeah. Once a month, except in November, December. Yeah. Because well, December is hard because of because of Christmas. Christmas and stuff. And November, Brett has gone hunting. Yes, exactly. And which is which is fine. You know, I don't think anybody in the group goes. Well, that son of a bitch. Why would he be off hunting when well, they he might? Be they just don't tell me. No, I mean, okay, maybe they do, but I've never heard it. Never and, heard and I'm the type of guy where I'm like, you know, family is more important than anything. 
there are times I've missed gaming because something Damn came up with the family. All right, so now on the flip side, what's the one thing about hunting that kind of like, even though it's it's something you don't like doing or something that's not fun to do, it's part of the whole experience? Hmm. Or like the worst trip you've been on for whatever reason kind of thing? I think... There's, there's parts of it that aren't always fun, right? When you lose one, I've lost deer, I've shot them, you wound them, and sometimes you lose them, it happens. Yep. It's un, it sucks. It eats you up for weeks or months. It just makes you feel bad. What did I do wrong? How can I be better? I hate doing it. So those are terrible. I've had that twice. It's abysmal. From a bad hunt perspective, the only time I've had a bad hunt is when I had bad hunting partners. When I okay. On private land, what my dad and I thought we had exclusive rights to, it turns out the farmer gave it access to anybody and everybody. It was just crawling with people. That was just obnoxious. And it's not 40 acres. I mean, 10 guys on 40 acres, that's just fucking that, stupid. That's overkill. It's way overkill. It's just terrible. There's no deer. Nothing's there. Um, let me think. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I've gone many years and not gotten something that happens. I have, I've been very fortunate lately because I've become better over the years that I, right, right. I dedicate more time to it. I think the only thing that is... Um, really obnoxious is that I don't have the free time I want to do everything I do. Well, I know yeah. it's, it's like yeah. it's like that, but because it's such a specific point in time. If I cancel gaming this month, I could game another day. I could do anything else, but hunting season is a specific start right. and end. Yep. And I have to save my vacation time to make sure I husband that stuff so I can get to game hole con. I can get to my hunting land. I can do this thing. I can do that thing. And it's not like, oh, it's gorgeous weather. Let's go for a motorcycle ride. Hey, I call up Sean and get a Harley's go for a ride. Oh, yeah, I think we need game this week. Anybody else free in town? Yeah, sure. Hell yeah, I got nothing. Well, let's go play some board games. I can't just go, oh, you know what? I feel like hunting today. I'm going to go hunting. I can't do that. Right, right. Because you got to do it within the constraints of what's been set up. And it has, and which is fine. It helps, you know, keep the, um, it's just how the DNR works. That's totally legitimate. But what am I going to say? Where the hell am I going with this? Anyway, it's a very set point in time. If something happens that disrupts it, it's frustrating and aggravating. If I'm like, I have to go to work, I don't have enough time off, or right. I'm driving home, and I'm like, that whole day at work sucked ass, and I just had a big 10-point buck, like, last week, run out in front of my truck. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was in work all day listening to people be assholes, and there's deer moving right now. Right. I should be in the woods. This is stupid. And you know, That's frustrating. But that's just a constraint. There's nothing, like, to your point, nothing I can do about that. Right. Hunting is a season. That's just how it works. So now, just in talking to you here, and, and, and other times, we've talked hunting before, you seem to have a, a respect for the animal, oh, yeah. and you don't always see that in hunters. I think what's goofy is that it's, a lot of hunters have it, they just don't talk about it. I think there is a, it's kind of like, um, we see the football player cry during the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, or somebody's doing something, or whatever. There's a macho weirdness that some guys get. I think most people do. Even when you watch professional hunting shows, like, yeah, you know, fist pumping, yeah, we got that big buck. This is so freaking cool, and I'm so happy. And some of that is just they're amped up, and you're really excited because right. the adrenaline's running. But um, all of the ones that I watch and respect, like Jim Shockey and those guys, he's out of Canada, he has utmost respect for animals. Ted Nugent is fucking insane as that man is. He has a lot of respect <laughs> right. for animals. Now, you know, cause like you said something earlier that just kind of caught me. Is like you said, you know, when you were talking about the adrenaline rush and how it hits you afterwards. Yeah. But you're like, you know, you walk up to the kill, you touch the kill, and you 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 said, and I say thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, because it, it's just you. I'm thankful that happened. Right, right, and it's that that animal, whatever it is, whether it be bear or deer or whatever. Yep. 
you're going to take that home and you're going to eat that. I mean, it's yep. it's a sus- it's a circle of life thing. Absolutely. First corny as that sounds. Well, it's, it's very primal, right? I mean, I don't. It was easy. It, it's hard. Otherwise, we call shopping. Shopping's fine. I buy lots of meat in the store. Yeah. If I could, if I had the money and the time, I would hunt for all my food. I would hunt it or farm it and whatever. I just don't have the time or the ability. Right. I don't, and, I don't and, and most people don't. Nope. But that respect, I mean, not only does that show you know that you take what you do seriously. It shows a part of you as being that respectful, you know, that, that well, person think, honestly, that has that. I help teach hunter safety, and that's one of the things that we drive into the kids and adults who take the class. They're like, well, you have to have this. You have to respect it. I mean, it, if you treat it just like, like gasoline or plastic or a water bottle you can chuck across a road or something stupid like that, that's just that's wrong. That's mm-hmm. morally and ethically wrong. And you need to, if you can't do that, then don't hunt. I mean, if it's not a thing, I don't care. I just it's just a piece of meat. It's nothing to me. Well, then get out of my woods. Right. I mean, right. I don't, we don't need that, and that's that's the type of thing that gives hunters a bad name. And unfortunately, like everything else, you know, gamers are a bunch of you know stupid, fat, gross, pimply virgins that are child monsters that live in their parents' basement. That's is not true. This is right. not most gamers. There's a modicum of every group of people that are bad people. Absolutely, right? and, and, and it's... the problem is, is those are the ones that make the press, right? No right. one ever, you know, gets quote unquote caught being a good hunter. Right. They get yeah, caught, exactly. They get caught poaching. They get caught doing something. You don't get a lot of, hey, Hunters for the Hungry gave, you know, 5,000 pounds of venison in Wisconsin one year or something like that. Right. You don't, you don't hear that story. It happens. I mean, Hunters for the Hungry does stuff. Right. Where you're, you, can, you can kill your deer, you can take it to a butcher, and the butcher will then donate it to a food pantry. Right. That happens. Yeah, and, and... That doesn't make the news because that's not fun. Yeah, it's the cool it's the cool aspects like that that should make the news, but unfortunately, the news, like everything else, kind of lives off of that fear, that shock yeah. value. Well, that's... And it, there's nothing shocking about a bunch of hunters going, you know, I have too much meat. Yeah, I'm going to donate it. I'm yeah. Be a nice guy. Yeah. yeah, so. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, I want to thank you no for problem. stopping by. Um, everybody out there, like I said earlier, Brett and uh, the guy who I interviewed on the first part of this, Sean, are part of a podcast called uh, uh, Gaming MBS. GamingMBS.com. There you go, GamingMBS.com. Um, I recommend, especially if you're into gaming, go listen to these guys. Um, thank you. They're funny. Um, and uh, Our episode today, we were very tired. So if you're going to well, listen, start at like 50 or episode 100. We're at 113 now. But go back. My joke is to start at 1 and work your way forward. Which but I you, have stolen a few times on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the immediate wherewithal to do that, though, you know, go back anywhere in the catalog and start. I joke that the 113th won't be the best because it's, it's our post-game uh, hole and we're both incredibly tired. Right. Your voice is shot right now. I know, I know. like, for me, I have actually used your podcast, if you're gamers out there. I have went back and I went, didn't these guys talk about that? And I'll go back and listen to it. And um, I do find that Sean's usually the way I lean in a lot that's, of cases. No, I'm kidding. I'm just giving you <laughs> shit. But, uh, no, they have, a lot of good, they have a lot of good suggestions and tips. And I also find that when... Listeners write in, and you guys talk about that. That sometimes has got more information in it than the actual show. Well, that's you know? what we wanted. We wanted to build a community, and that's when we had like the the keg party, right? It's, it's right. silly and juvenile to call it that, but we we want to get everybody together so we could have a community. We had Alex was kind enough to let us sponsor our show, and in return for that, us pimping it and pushing it and getting guys like you and other men and women here, we have a table, and then we have three game tables attached to it, so people running. Games at GameWorldCon under the Gaming MBS banner got one of these three private, quote unquote, private tables. Right. Well, and we're sitting cool. at one of those yeah, right we're now. Right now. And then when people showed up, it's just a community thing. Everybody knows everybody. Jason Hobbs is here. I got a Forrest Gary is here. All these people. I'm going to stop naming names. I'm going to miss somebody. <laughs> but 
they they all show up and like, hey, oh yeah, that's cool, you're here, we're doing. Yeah, actually, I met fun. I met Wayne Humphrey last night. Yeah, he's a good dude. Wayne's a, Wayne's a fun dude. Yeah, I am. We joke. We uh, Wayne was living in Michigan and then he was looking for a different job. And uh, Sean and I, uh, were like, you gotta come to Madison, man. There's a lot of work out here, so we brought him over here. And uh, last night, one of the other gamers, we know Roger Braslitz from Maine. And we told him, I said, your, your father-in-law's a big Packers fan, right? And you're a nurse, and there's a lot of nurse work here in Madison. <laughs> you play Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game, and I have that. And I said, I'm just kind of baiting you, dude. Come on, bro. Just move you. Move. I don't think I can move to Wisconsin. Oh, come on. I got Humphrey from Michigan. You're, you're next. Come on. Come yeah, on. It's just going to start bringing all the gamers into exactly. Wisconsin. Exactly. Um, so let's just take a second here. Brett and I and a few other people, um, we have a con coming up in January, January called Evercon. Correct. Evercon.org. Yes, Evercon.org. And, you know, uh, everything's still open right now. We've got yep. games, uh, game registration, uh, badge registration, early badge registration. We've got um, hotels are open now. Correct. Um, so, you know, uh, give us a little rundown, Brett, of, of oh, what we got going on there. Let's see how let's see how wide awake you are. I will. I will uh, Website in front of me here. Hey, so January 6th, 7th, and 8th, this is our first year of running a full three day. Yep. Previously, it's always been like a day and a quarter, day and a it's half. It's 16 hours. 16 hours yeah. before. Now we're like, we start 9 a.m. Friday to midnight on Friday, and then 7 a.m. to midnight, and then 7 to 7. Yep. So we've got. We're at the, uh, we're in Wausau, Wisconsin. We're going to be at the uh, Central Wisconsin uh, Convention, Center. Convention and Expo Center. Thank you. It's right off the highway. There's a, uh, Cedar Creek Mall, <coughs> excuse me, there, Gander Mountain, and a couple, and a big Harley Davidson dealership, which is awesome. Yeah, there's um, the uh, the theaters right there. Yep. So so we'll be in there, a number of hotels, good restaurants and stuff. we got Ken Height coming. Uh, we got Lloyd Metcalf. Um, let's see, Tim Seeley. Um, David McGarry. David McGarry. And then we've got uh, an MIB coming from Steve Jackson Games. <coughs> That's uh, right. Uh, 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 Drew Happley. Drew Happley, yeah. And Drew's, uh, <laughs> Drew's going to be doing, running Munchkin tournaments and stuff. we got one of the local... Um, one of the, he's a great store owner, uh, Johnny from Johnny C's uh, cards and such, and he's not cards, so Johnny C cards, cards. So yep. anyway, Johnny's gonna be running like thirty different events. We got a, a pretty decent video game contingent. Yep. Um, Gamehole doesn't do video games like this, but we have a League of Legends tournaments, Super Smash Brothers stuff like that, and retro gaming. We got some of that from a video game perspective. We hooked up with uh, Badger State Games. There's a state game yeah. system that's a lot like the Olympics, just on a state level. And we're and, doing three. Uh, we've got a Ticket to Ride tournament. We have a Pokemon tournament, um, Super Smash Brothers, and League of Legends. We have those four events that are Badger State events. And there's a silver, uh, excuse me, bronze, silver, silver and gold, gold medal that you can win at each of these. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's different prize money for different tournaments and stuff. Plus, shit tons of open gaming. Oh, yeah. There's going to be open um, gaming, yeah. uh, a lot of it. Plus, we've got games on demand. Yep. Uh, Kevin Lemke and his son Austin are running that. Correct. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's um, I think it's going to be an experience worth having this year. If nothing else, especially if you've been an Evercon goer, you're going to take that experience and we're just going to ramp it up. We're going to amp it up and we're going to make it, you know, something that uh, something that's re- memorable. Yeah, it's uh, forty bucks for the weekend or fi- or fifteen days, fifteen days, fifteen dollars for a day. Yep. So Saturday again will be our big day. Um, we usually have almost uh, 1,300 people. Yeah, last coming. year we did over twelve hundred unique clicks. Yeah. So it's it's not the smallest con in the world either. So it just hasn't. It's been at the uh, junior high. It just needs a better venue. So we've kind of taken it, remolded it, do a little bit of rebranding, as it were. But it's going to be pretty freaking cool. So. Yeah, I think so. All right, man. Well, thanks for stopping by. No thanks problem. for taking time out of the 
con. And right, uh, we're gonna go get some sleep. Go get some sleep, man. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good night. We will see you next week. Bye.